0: Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. Learning more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Well, good morning, Southeastern. How are we? This is going to be responsive time. I'm a little less academic and a whole lot of practical, so I hope you're ready for that. Um, As Dr. Six said, or I will call him Jonathan, I met him in an evangelism class at 8 a.m. on this campus, my first fall semester of seminary. I went to University of South Florida, grew up in a little town called Plant City, and I arrived here having completed a business degree, any any business degree seekers out there. So when someone said, hey, we're gonna talk about eschatology, I thought they sneezed. Um, I was a little confused as to what that word meant And Jonathan helped me through our our degree program. We served together in various different roles on campus. And as he said, graduated two times from this institution, and it is an honor to be with you today. I want to thank uh, Dr. Aiken, um, even though he is not with us for the invitation, to be here today. This is one of my most favorite places on the planet. I absolutely love this campus. We arrived last night, and I took our daughter, who was born here uh, 15 years ago, uh, around to show her where she grew up in the apartment she lived in, and the the buildings where I took classes and had a lot of my theology shaped and formed by men such as Dr. Robinson, who's sitting over here on the side. Um, Dr. Mosley, thank you for your investment. So many folks on this campus poured into me and I just can't be more excited to be here. One of the things that I'm thankful for also for this institution is, it was a place that taught me to ask the question, why should I not go? There's a question that Dr. Aiken posed to us years ago sitting in this room, and he said some of you in this room are considering the fact, should I, should I go to the nations? Should I go and share the gospel? What would God have me do? And he, asked the, he said that's the wrong question to ask. He said the question to ask yourself is, why should I not go? And that began to burn in my heart as I began to investigate what it meant To go, to be sent on mission. Where was God sending me? I arrived here having been a worship leader, a student small group leader, an intern in student ministry. I had done a ton of stuff in student ministry. And I arrived on this campus thinking I'm going to come and get shaped and formed and sharpened as an instrument for God to use. Back in student ministry in beautiful sunny Florida. I will tell you that was many years ago. We left in 2006 and have never been back. The Lord has been faithful and gracious to us in sending us to multiple locations to serve, the longest of which is where he said I serve today. Um, I am a pastor in the Dayton area. Uh, I serve on that staff as the executive slash campus pastor for one of our two campuses. We have a North American Mission Board church plant that we uh, we have as a second campus, and it has been my joy to serve on that staff for 10 years. And in the midst of that 10 years, I've had the opportunity to join the United States Air Force. I joined the Air Force after having been there for about four years. And for the past six years, I've had the opportunity of doing both, being a pastor and a chaplain. I wanted to give you a a few things to consider as we get started. Some of you are asking the question in your mind, how in the world do you do both? Because pastoring is a lot. It's a full-time job. It is a A heavy responsibility shepherding the people that God gives us to shepherd and steward and it is my desire to do that well and some of you are saying how do you do both why two jobs I'm going to answer those questions in just a second as today is a military appreciation or emphasis chapel I want to pause for a moment I already met one I'm, I'm hoping to meet more of you as we go through the day today and tonight at the dinner If you're serving or have served or related to someone who has served before, would you please stand so we can say thank you? Really quick, I just wanted to acknowledge you in the room. Thank you so much. Looking around this room, I see many friends, hopefully new friends to be later later today. Thank you for serving. Thank you for choosing to answer the call to serve both God and country. Now to answer the question why two jobs, um, you may be thinking he's a little nuts and I am just a little bit. I I began my doctorate and then in the middle of my doctorate started I joined the military. I remember this conversation around the table and they said why in the world would you do that because it was where God called me to go. I wasn't sure how it was going to work. I was in the middle of trying to finish writing and I was just convinced After a night of prayer at our church, I sat on the front rows, our pastor said, some of you are running from the Lord, a call that he has placed on your heart to go and serve. And I wanna bring all of this to to a head for you. Why would I do what I do? Here's the answer to the question. Number one, my ministry as a Christ follower is enhanced and the bride of Christ is encouraged and built up. The local body that I serve is encouraged and built up for evangelism when I, as a pastor, are not in the church house all the time. It is extremely important for ministry leaders and pastors to recognize that it is our job to lead the way in going and making disciples, reaching into the community. Um, A lot of times, spending time as a pastor, you feel like the dad managing a family fight, where we argue over things that, in the grand scope of ministry and and what's going to be the legacy of the church may not really matter a whole lot. And we, we lose our focus on getting into the communities where our churches are placed, where our people come from. And it is important for us to remember to go out and make disciples in that community. So that's one. Answer one is I do it because, um, because it's, it's a, a building up of my local church. Um, number two, busyness as a pastor can often be a crutch to lean on and say, I'm, I'm just too busy for that. I knew that God had called me to it, and it was time for me to answer. So that night, sitting on the front pew of my church, when the pastor said, some of you are running, I said, that's me. I left and drove and drove and tried to outrun the Lord's call. I sat in the parking lot of a grocery store thinking, Lord, I'm already doing the thing. I've, I've gone to seminary. I'm, I'm studying more. I'm, I'm serving in a church. What more do you want from me? And there was this pull on my heart that that he began in this building, in this very room in the back, right about that third pillar back. I listened to a gentleman speak about God looking for faithful servants to go into the hard places. He's a professor here now. Dr. Jeff Strucker, he was preaching in chapel, and I met my first Air Force chaplain recruiter here on this campus many years ago. And from that moment until 2018, I ran hard and fast from what God had called me to do. He placed a burden on my heart for military members and families. I'm a third-generation military member in my family. My grandfather served Army Air Corps, got out in 1945 at the end of World War II. My father served in the United States Air Force. My uncle served. My father-in-law served. A history of service in my family. And I came here and thought I have to jettison that whole identity as being part of a military family in order to serve faithfully. And sitting right back there, the Lord challenged that notion in my mind. And he's, he placed a burden in my heart. We moved to Dayton, Ohio, several years later. And a friend of mine asked me, he invited me, would you come and pray at my promotion ceremony? Now, this, this pastor, military brat, if you will, stood nervously as I prepared my prayer, terrified of what I was going to say, if I was going to do it right. And I walked up to the podium to offer this 30-second invocation, and my friend promoted And at the end of the ceremony, this general approached me and he said, you've never served in uniform. And I said, no, sir. He said, why not? There's what's the reason we need chaplains. We need good chaplains. We need men who will walk alongside our members and their families. And I began a process that day of walking through all the steps to join the military. I joined the military at 36 years old, went to officer training school, was the oldest member in my class. That got a lot of jokes out of the young guys, 22, 23 years old, You know, I'm 37, had a birthday at training. And in the whole process, when I began this journey, God began to affirm these steps, and I drove onto base for my first day of duty, and I was home, I was right where God wanted me to be. It just took me a while to get there. Today is a bit of the story of how that process came to be, But I'm here today speaking as a man who's served in many different capacities. Worship leader, student pastor, next generation ministry pastor, discipleship and groups pastor, community engagement, campus pastor, executive pastor, chaplain. But the greatest title that I would hope to be known by is Christ follower. I want to be known as a Christ follower. Whatever title I wear, that's what I would like to be known as. Today, we recognize and honor those who answer the call to serve our country in some capacity. And I want to encourage you today, if you're sitting in this room, that whatever the vocation or title you carry one day, we have a higher calling, and that is to make disciples. I love the, the mission and purpose of this institution. It's right here on the front of the podium, to go, to make disciples. And in my mind, I had this tight framework of what that could look like. And we're going to walk through the book of Acts. So, If you have your Bible with you, open up to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18. And as you turn there, some of you are going to, you're all going to hopefully understand a bit of the backstory of the Apostle Paul as we dig into this narrative of his life in Acts chapter 18. He is traveling, planning churches, making disciples, investing in the lives of people all around him. And as he does so, he goes from place to place and he's just left the Oropagus, he's just left dealing with some folks that are far from the Lord, and he goes to Corinth. And in Corinth, this this place that is, is known for being a mess, he engages with two people that are gonna help us see what God would have us do. Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, and a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks See, Paul arrives in this place, he, he meets up with two people that share a similar background that he has. And one of the things that I experienced in, in this whole journey of, of making my way to wearing a uniform and serving as a military chaplain is God had placed certain people in my life over the course of my life to lead me to a place where he would, he would eventually need me to go. Now this serving in the military has, has a, a lot of ramifications for your life. I get the opportunity to serve as a reservist, so I don't necessarily have to move every few years, but our active duty members who have to move every three to five years, or faster the higher you promote, they, they face a task where you have to pick up and, and move families and reorient into new communities, and I see shaking heads, you've experienced that. Establishing a new community, Paul arrives in this place a place that's a mess. He's a, a messenger of God. He goes and he finds a fellow Jew and his wife, and he, he understands that he can engage with him. He stays with him. He finds his people, if you will. How many of you guys have people that you're close to, developing tight friendships with here in this place? Dr. Six and, and I became people. Day one, evangelism, learning how to share our faith, 17 years ago, who are your people? Who is God going to surround you with? See, here's the encouragement that I would have for you from this first little set of verses as we dig into this just a little bit more. Is it sitting in this room? You may be thinking, this is the segment of my life where God is going to do a particular work and I'm gonna move to another segment of my life where I'm gonna go do the work now. I would encourage you to consider this. God wants to use all of your life, all of your life, To make disciples. Now, what does that mean? That means wherever you go, you make disciples, regardless of your vocation. Paul arrives in Corinth. He's been known to be a teacher and a preacher, and he, he engages with these two, and they have something in common. They are tent makers by trade. He stays and he engages in the work. And the important thing for all of us to know in here, regardless of your specialization, regardless of what you do, in the sphere of the gospel ministry, there is no specialization that God can't use and he doesn't want to use for his glory among the nations. There is nothing you can do that can outrun God's mission for you. And that mission is to make disciples. Make no mistake, the military context is difficult. That is a challenging place to do it. But I heard someone share from this very stage many years ago, if you're looking for easy in making disciples, all the easy places are taken, where will you go? Where will he send you? Will it be to the mission field overseas, down the street? How will he use your vocation? These are all questions that we have to wrestle with in this environment. It's easy to get distracted Listen to this, by the others around you that are doing things that are a bit more glamorous in ministry. They get their their names posted somewhere and miss the blessing of serving as God has built you to serve. I shared with you, I'm a third generation military member. It was a long process, but the Lord caught me from behind and said, you're going to go do the thing. And he made me miserable until I did it. Students, I knew there was this next thing for me. What is God calling me to? And somebody maybe in this room or watching with us online is saying, I know that I have this thing that God's called me to do, but I have better plan for my life. Students, that was me. I'm going to go home, be a youth pastor, and live my days close to my family. You want to make God smile, tell him your plans. I live in a state, in a city that I swore I would never live. We get snow, a lot of it. I shoveled sand for fun growing up. Now I shovel snow because I have to. I said, Lord, please don't send me north. Ha. Here I am, living in beautiful Dayton, Ohio, and I love it because it's where God sent me. As you prepare for ministry, whatever you're preparing for, God is preparing you to make disciples in the classroom, in the workplace, in your law office, in the doctor's office, from the pulpit, from the neighborhoods to the nations. His mission for us as Christ followers is to be disciple makers, period. Regardless of what you get paid to do, our mission is bigger than a paycheck. Our mission is to make disciples. And this took me a minute to embrace. I I love being a pastor. I'm busy being a pastor. I had all the excuses. He said, "Yeah, but you really didn't say yes. You said yes with a caveat. Yes as long as you don't take me north. Yes as long as it doesn't cost me much." And I finally surrendered in tears in my car in a parking lot at a grocery store on a Sunday night having been in ministry for a number of years, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever you say, I'll do. God wants to use all of our lives to make disciples. He brought this full circle for me. In Paul's missionary journeys, he goes to places he's uniquely built to go into the regions he goes to, has dual citizenship, gives him access to different cultures, and God uses him in a mighty way among those people to make disciples. Let's, let's track through this passage. We're going we're to move on in our passage to Acts 18, verse 5. Acts 18, verse 5. So Silas and Timothy arrive, and when they arrive, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on our own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. See, if we're going to be about making disciples, we have to rest in the faithful God who's called us to make disciples. And I would, I would submit this, faithful disciple making is fueled by a faithful God. He's going to call you to the work and he's not going to leave you there. The God who calls you is the God who will carry you through the work until it is completed in your life. So whatever God is calling you to today, I don't know what that may be. Some of you are like me sitting in the room. I've got it nailed down. God's called me to be a pastor. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go preach and pastor. We need gospel preaching pastors in churches. I want to give you some demographics about my area as we think about what God could be calling us to. In the Dayton area where I live, 740,000 plus people call it home. Of that 740,000, approximately 2,400 call our churches home. That's 0.3%. There are 96 churches in our association, and at least 12% of those have less than 20 in attendance and are barely hanging on. They're praying for revitalization, for a church plant, for a church to adopt them, to bring them in, or they will close or they have closed these numbers have changed. We now have 92 churches. Four have closed in the last two years. And I I look at that and I think, man, we need gospel preaching pastors. We need faithful churches who will be about making disciples in their community. One step further, there are 14 total chaplains on the base where I serve, between the reserve wing and the active duty wing. We serve approximately 31,000 of that 740,000 population in the Dayton area. And if there are 14 total chaplains across at least five major organizations or major commands, that's one chaplain for almost every 2,300 people, military and civilian. That's just the folks that are employed there. We could multiply that number by three if we considered the dependents and the family members that are attached to the base that I serve on. One per 2,300 numbers sound eerily the same. Students, faculty, I don't know what God may be speaking to you about right now as you hear those numbers, but those numbers are the same in approximately every city gospel faithful faithful gospel preaching needs to happen in local churches and i would say this we need faithful gospel jesus loving chaplains to join the united states military in some capacity as we engage with gospel ministry as well i'm not here to recruit i'm here to share with you that the harvest is plentiful the harvest is plentiful Will he call you to serve vocationally in a church? Will he call you to serve vocationally somewhere else while you serve in a church, supporting the ministry of the local church? Or will he call you to step out and do something that may sound scary, may sound difficult? Yes, I would say he will. You want to make God smile. Tell him your plans for the ministry he's called you to. And watch him work. I say all of that to say this, faithful disciple making is fueled by a faithful God and by people who live their, hand, their lives with open hands. God, I will go where you send me. Does he have your yes on the table this morning? Wherever it may be, does he have your yes? As Paul moves in this process, these men show up, he's preaching the gospel in this passage and listen to the words from our Lord. Do not be afraid. This is verse 9. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you. If I hear nothing else in my life that will bring me assurance, I am with you. Students, he is with you. And he will go with you where he sends you, and he will carry you through whatever that looks like. Because faithful disciple-making is fueled by a faithful God. When his people are on mission and he joins us there, man, look out. The harvest is plentiful, but in fact, the laborers are few. In the midst of everything that follows Paul, Jesus speaks And he gives validity to his ministry and to the people he's partnered with. God is doing a work there in Corinth and he's going to use them. But look at what happens in Paul's life when when someone comes against him. Let's look at verse 12. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or a vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names in your own law, see to it yourself. I refuse to be a judge of these things, and he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal, but Gallio paid no attention to any of this. I would submit to you this, rest assured that the same God who called you to a life of ministry will sustain you during your life of ministry, however long that is, and whatever that looks like. I remember sitting in this room, I Take a step away from my notes for a second. Sitting in this room and hearing somebody tell me, hey, God's going to carry you through dark days. And I thought to myself, what in the world could be dark about ministry? I worked in the business world. And some of y'all are smiling like, oh boy. The, The naivete of the young, eager mind in seminary. I had seen church fights in my home church I'd watch things go down that I was, man, I don't understand that, but I'm glad that was not me, and then I dismissed it. Whatever the ministry God calls you to, there will be hard times. It will be difficult. It will be challenging. I wish someone would have told me a bit more clearly just how dark it could get, and then to lean on the Lord who is always right there. Serving in two capacities adds a little bit of complexity to ministry. There are things that we have to do as pastors and as chaplains that are challenging and difficult. I had the privilege to serve uh, at our hospital on base during the COVID pandemic breakout. I had signed orders for that. I stepped into an active duty position in early 2020 in March and April. And the hospital closed. Students, I've been in hospitals before making hospital visits as a pastor. But nothing prepared me for what I was going to face. Holding the hands of those who are dying with no family close. And you are the representation of the holy to them. And you pray with them. And you go out and deliver the news to their families. Those are hard days in ministry when you have hard things to communicate. The same God who called us to ministry is faithful to carry us through to the completion of that ministry. He carries Paul through a challenging time and he affirms his ministry and he leads us to another section of this passage in verse 18. Verse 18 says this, After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centre he had his hair cut, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. So Paul moves, he leaves, and he takes people to another city, and he drops them there, and he moves on. But he himself went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When, he asked, when they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. The lives of people on mission with the gospel are not bound to a place or a people. They're solely occupied with living with one purpose. See, Paul invested his life into these two in Corinth, he takes them with him and he drops them somewhere else. Here's what I would say to you, God is looking for disciple makers who deploy disciple makers. Who are you investing in right now, today? Are you sharing your faith? Are you discipling anyone towards a relationship with Jesus so that they will go and do the same? These two go and do the same. He was solely focused on the mission that he had received from God. That He, he couldn't do anything but make disciples and plant churches and he's going to go do it in another place. But Paul's focus, we see it come out in Acts chapter 20. One of my favorite passages, he's speaking uh, to the church in Ephesus, talking to their elders. In Acts chapter 20, he says this, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. See, Paul is all in with his faith. All in. I don't know what's going to happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Then he says this, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He has a singular focus. Come what may, I'm going to make disciples who make disciples. That was Paul's mission that he received from the Lord and that was what he was going to be about whatever it cost him. It's been said, That the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. That's a fun statement to make when it's calm there. But there's no guarantee of safety and peace other than in the Lord Jesus Himself. The list of benefits in ministry vary from setting to setting, but I wanted to Read something from Paul in Philippians chapter 1. It says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There it is again. Come what may, I'm going to Make disciples, I'm going to fulfill the ministry I received. Verse 22, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. That's from Philippians chapter 1. Here's what I would say regarding this movement of Paul's life in the book of Acts chapter 18. The mission that the God of creation has given to his people, and you are his people, is greater than and more important than their comfort. The mission matters most. The mission of making disciples matters most. Are you making disciples who make disciples? The end of our passage in Acts chapter 18, we see a man make an appearance. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. If God is calling us to make disciples, who make disciples, the legacy of a disciple maker is a disciple-making community. So students, let me encourage you with this. If you're not plugged into a local church yet, make sure you get plugged into a local church that is making disciples, that has a legacy of making disciples. If God's calling you to serve and to lead in a local church, who go and make disciples and let your legacy be, you followed Christ and you made disciples who made disciples. If you're going to serve, you're considering serving in the military as a chaplain, go and make disciples who make disciples. The mission is the same, but the legacy of faith God is looking for from us is that of a disciple-maker who leaves behind a disciple-making community. These two go and they speak to Apollos, they encourage him, they correct him, and he goes about and he continues the mission. See, the church is made up of believers of all stripes, colors, and backgrounds. And all too often we, get, we let those differences become a mask to see the reality that Jesus came to save sinners Every single one, regardless of what uniform they wear, he called us to share the good news that Jesus came to save sinners, regardless of your station. There's a ministry to be about. That ministry is very clear. And you've heard it proclaimed from this stage and in your classrooms in a great commission seminary to go and make disciples so let me encourage you with this. Aspiring pastors and ministry leaders, focus not on growing the church numerically and celebrating the, the rising attendance. Boast in Christ, in Him crucified, risen and reigning, and make disciples who make disciples. Whatever your context, Whatever place he takes you, whatever career he leads you to, leave a legacy of making disciples. Whatever calling you've come here to prepare for, we all have a mission to get after. Start now and leave a legacy of making disciples. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this day that you've given to us, a day set apart. For us to gather in chapel to be encouraged, challenged, reminded of the calling that you have placed on our lives, whether it's military ministry as a chaplain, whether it is vocational church ministry or serving in a church as you have a career. Father, I know it's, it's true from, from butchers and bakers and And candlestick makers, you choose to use your followers to make disciples regardless of their station or vocation. Father, would you remind us today that you've called us to make disciples who make disciples. Use us for your glory and to that end, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit SCBTS.edu.